Hello and welcome back to the A3 Footy Podcast. My name is Alex Catalano. Unfortunately, this week we are once again just down to two men. We've had to locate to the online studio. The Tom studio was unavailable. And unfortunately, Alex Miller, Alex Doherty, unable to join us. We just can't get the boys together. We joked about the COVID protocols last week, Kat, and now they've actually come back to bite us. But uh, yes, no, unfortunately can't get the trio together, but hopefully next week we'll be able to be fit and firing for a big episode. But lots to get through this week. Plenty to get through. Of course, all the best to Doc. Uh, rest up, mate. Um, unfortunately, he has caught the Rona this week, so he'll be out of action until next week, but hopefully all the best for him. But yeah, huge round of footy, mate, of course, as always. Anzac round, always a big one. I was very lucky to get down to Anzac Day again this year. Huge crowd. Didn't know about the result, but regardless, a great round of footy. But a round has also been marred by a few things, mate, mm. that you know we've been a little bit less than, than happy with. And start with a bit of off-field because there was a moment during the Swans and Hawks game on Monday, Paddy McCartan obviously going down with another concussion, which is very unfortunate for him. It looks like he's been cleared of anything major, which is great news. Yeah. Um, we'll have to miss this week, but we took issue with, and we spoke about this earlier in the year, about players having privacy when they're injured. We talked yes. about Jeremy Cameron when he was getting in the ambulance and um, Hayden Crozier as well when he was getting those tests run. Um, when he Alex Pierce last year as well, Kat, with the ACL. Yes, so is it really? do we really need these images on television? We talk about you know, players' mental health and, you know, they've got family watching these games, things like that. Do we really need these players being broadcast in these moments? Uh, Simply no, Kat. I think that uh, this is a great topic that you wanted to talk about, so I really want to get your thoughts straight after. But I think that um, the biggest thing that's interesting to me, Kat, is that uh, Horse talked about it and he Mm. said that it was really surprising that they showed that because of the reasons that you mentioned, particularly the family of Paddy um, and the history there. So, look, I think it's not a great look and I don't see why. I think we've talked about this, as you mentioned, Kat. The biggest thing for me is, like we said, this isn't instant live. There's obviously a delay on the broadcast that can be required. You don't have to cut to those shots Mm. right then and now. You can maybe say, okay, wow, he looks like he's emotionally like, you know, going through a lot. And I think that's the biggest thing for Paddy is that, yes, he was injured, but it was more, I think he was really worried about what is next for him. Yeah. Um, so, look, I think that maybe it's a discussion, Kat, that we need to take the cameras out of the rooms. I'd like to mm. get your thoughts on it. Yeah, I think there is that level of privacy that the players do need. And I think especially like we talked about, when it is such a major injury and mm. the history that he's had with his concussions, um, Obviously, we know it's going to be a hard time for him, so you really just don't need that vision out there. He's not going to want to watch it back, you know, no. see it on TV during the week, whatever. The poor guy's already going through enough as it is. So, I don't know. I think it's it's a case of, yeah, I was happy that Horse came out and yeah. you know, backed his player and said that, you know, they need to lay off him. And, yeah, I'm not a fan of it, um, and I think... I don't know, we need to see a change a little bit, I think. Yeah, I would honestly propose, Kat, like I said, I think getting rid of the cameras would be key because I understand we want all that inside access and all that crap, but sometimes there's a difference between, um, you know, respect, as you said, and privacy and insight. And I think, or maybe that we change it to no footage just to be rolled from down the rooms via injury. We can just have someone report on it verbally if they can somehow get that information. But... We don't need visuals, I think, for that. So that's something that the AFL will have to consider. And I'm sure, I actually reckon, Kat, that clubs will be batting for what we're talking about in terms of the player mm. privacy. And I know Bevo's high on it. Horse is definitely high on it. Lots of coaches, Dimmer, Goodwin. Um, I think every coach around the league would agree that that's the most important thing for the players when something serious like that happens. So, yeah. Yeah. And Horse made a good point as well. He said, you know, um, people are speculating what he's feeling, what he's thinking in that moment when you know, that shouldn't even have to be something that people are talking about. Just, you know, mm. the, like we said, the guy needs a bit of obviously privacy and time to deal with that because it's going to be a big thing for him for the rest of the week now. So yeah, massive. Yeah. Not, not, not about it, but um, hopefully we do see that change, I guess in the coming weeks or at least, yeah, like you said, move the cameras out of there. It's just not necessary anymore. Yeah. And I like, I suppose, like you said as well, Cap, best wishes to Patty in his recovery. Hopefully we see him back 
very soon and he rest recovers this week and is right to go for next week's clash. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's touch on a bit of positives, though. You wanted to talk about the Dockers, Miller. We've talked a little bit about Frio um, so far this year because they have been very strong and apparently they still haven't played anyone good yet despite beating Carlton, <laughs> who are also sitting in the top eight. So I don't know um, who else you want them to play. But once again, another really strong performance for them this week with quite a few mm. key players out as well, which was, I think, I, I tipped Carlton. I wasn't expecting them to do as well as they did in this game, the Dockers, but they never really looked in danger after quarter time of uh, giving up this one. Yeah, I think they've been really clinical to start the year, Ken. I think that's the biggest thing about Longmuir, and he's been an absolutely fantastic coach since he stepped in where you and Doc were all really pleased when he mm. was given the opportunity. And I think Freo, particularly Peter Bell and the rest of the footy department, Bob Murphy and Co. have done a great job with that selection because I think there's a difference between we're going to get an assistant to become a head coach and maybe take a year or two transition. And I think um, Longmuir had about 12 months to 18 months to find who he is, and now he's really got a great style. Um, and he's changed a big-time cap from mm. the defensive sort of – we know Frio is a great defensive team, which they still are, but now they're kicking goals and scores. And I think that, look, they sh- fell in against the Crows by a point. They lost to St Kilda, but – you know, you can only beat what's in front of you. I'm a firm believer in that, um, you know, beating West Coast and EWS by big margins and then Essendon as well. So, and like you mentioned, Carlton have been probably the most informed team to start the year and one of the biggest hype teams. So mm. to get a win over them, and I suppose the biggest thing, Kat, that I'd like to ask you about is with five out and still for some time, we are really seeing the emergence of the youth, particularly through the midfield, I think. Well, we've given Will Brody his props um, oh. so far this year, and he's been outstanding. But no, you're right. Um, Andy Brayshaw stepped up hugely this year. Caleb's wrong. Good to see him back in the team performing well um, as well. Those boys really have led the charge, Yeah, like you said. And, you know, Mundy's not having to do it all. Fife's not going to have to do it all when he no. comes back in. Um, and other guys around them are starting to step up too. Lockie Schultz is getting his hands on the footy a bit more on the outside. Um, being more of that linking man, which I think we'll talk a little bit about him um, in your team of the week as well. But um, it's it's great to see that they are sharing the load, the Dockers, and it's only going to make them a better team when Fife does come back in inevitably and they've got those options. If Fife needs to rest forward, they don't have to worry about getting smashed around the clearances yeah, um, and things like that. But I did want to touch on, like you said, the, the goals and their, their scoring mm. Um, their points for points against very, very similar to Melbourne, that sort of area, which obviously Melbourne have one of the best defences in the league, if not the best. Uh, They currently have the least points against of anyone. And Freo right behind them in second, um, seventh for points for as well. So they are striking that balance really well. And we're seeing guys kick multiple goals every week and they're starting to push their average up from last year where maybe they weren't getting above that 70, 75 even in wins, but we're seeing these guys, you know, Lobb stepping up this year. Tavern has had some really strong games. Schultz, as we mentioned already. Um, Switkowski's been thereabouts as well. So I think they're developing the right path to getting to the finals, the Dockers. And this weekend, Saturday afternoon game against the Cats Miller, I think they've got a real chance here. Tavern are out to big blow, though, I think, Kat. I think that might hurt them. But yeah, yeah, it is. They've done well to cover players so far. I think you look at guys that are down in the waffle and um, the big kahuna, Josh Tracy, had a good game on the G4, weekend. yeah. Yeah, kicked a few snags. So he's definitely um, in the mix, I think, to come in for the crab if he needs to. But, you know, they've still got the likes of Darcy, Neil Erasmus, Young, Chapman. Obviously, they were both out with the mm. health and safety protocols to come back in this week. So I think they're looking nice, the Dockers, and I'll back them in. I don't know if I'll tip them necessarily, but I think I'd back them in to really, really push along this week. Yeah, and just on the scoring opportunities, Kat, you made a great point of they haven't scored below 83 bar the St Kilda game, which was 55, but that's one thing. But the shots for goal is what's impressive me. 27 scoring shots last weekend. Mm. Previous weekend as well, mm. contested in 27, 20. Three against GWS, 27 against West Coast, um, and then round one, 28. So those are numbers that you hadn't seen from Frio, I don't think, count in the last 12 months. So really impressive. But I suppose lastly I'd like to ask before we move on to the next point is with five coming back, Cat, mm. where do you see him playing? I think that 
There's a lot of people saying get him down back or forward. I think he'll definitely play forward at some point, but I think he'll still be in the middle because we've got to remember, this is the only, you know, bloody modern-day player with two Brownlows. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't not play him in the guts where he belongs. I think it'll probably free up a guy like Andy Brayshaw to play a little bit more on the outside if he wants to. We know he's got that run and carry, and he's a great kick of the footy, so... I think he's a guy you want maybe spreading to the outside if you've yeah. got Fife in there. Um, I think they've, they've got the ability to rotate these guys around. Mm-hmm. Driscoll, I can see playing in the forward line, so you could move him and Fife around. He's got a bit of height on him. Um, Driscoll is 188, so he wouldn't be a bad guy to, to get up in the forward line. And um, No, I think they've got the options to move these guys around. Mundy's obviously been attending less centre bounces than ever, and it might be a case of Fife does as well. We never know. Um, I think yeah, it just gives them versatility really with the midfield group. Unfortunately, I think one one player is going to have to get stiffed. Unfortunately, someone's going to have to come out, um, which does it is unfortunate because all these young guys are performing so well. Mm. You don't really want to drop any of them. It might be someone like a Darcy Tucker who makes way, um, and I'd be wanting to get him out before one of these young kids because they they've built some serious momentum. I totally agree, and I think that. That's the issue that is a good selection headache to have. We saw Goodwin's got it at the moment with the key forwards at Melbourne, Cat, and mm. um, it's going to be a, a thing for Freo with the midfield blend, what's going to work best. And that's where I think, yeah, I understand people saying, well, you want to keep that blend so we're going to put five forward, but he is bloody way too good to just be playing full-time forward. He's a yes. gun and one of the best of the competition. So, yeah. Absolutely. Um, you want to touch on the Giants as well, Miller, because uh, it's not all positives over in Western Sydney because they're, they're still struggling to get going this year. They're sitting 15th, 1-5. and five. It's been a very, very rough start to the season for Leon and his boys. I thought they were going to um, perk up a little bit on Friday night, and for the first half, they looked very strong. Uh, they, they had the Saints number, but after halftime, one goal five just completely dropped off. They've been the worst second-half team by a long margin already this year. I wonder if... I want to look at those second halves, Miller, because it is like yeah. a different team playing between them. I wonder if... Are they not fit enough to keep up with the rest of the competition? It's strange because they've never been a side that no. has particularly had those drop-offs. But you look at a number of their players in this game. Josh Kelly, uh, only the five disposals in the third quarter. So he kind of disappeared yeah, well. after halftime. Um, Tom Green, the seven, he didn't have much of an influence um, in that third quarter either. Uh, Callum Ward, he only had the five disposals after that. I don't know if it's... It's starting from the middle because these guys are just coming out of halftime and they're not getting their hands on the footy um, anywhere near as much as they are earlier. Canelio as well, just the five disposals in the third quarter. So, I don't know. Is it an attitude thing? Is it a fitness thing? What needs to change here? It's a great question, Kat. Uh, look, I wouldn't know a whole lot about the fitness issues up there, if there is any or if there's a situation or what. But I think that definitely the poor second half is a correlation to the scoring, Kat. We've seen they've posted only 60 points, which was last weekend, but 53 and 54 the previous two weeks. So the last three weeks in particular have been pretty average. Mm. So, And that, I think, is, like you said, playing an impact from just the overall fitness of the team maybe. I think that, look, to, there are players in and out of the side and the forward line's been a bit hit and miss. I think Hogan's been a bit up and down to start the year. Toby Green's only just come back or Tony Green or whoever he's called <laughs> these days. Um, so I suppose that's something to take into consideration. But the thing with me, Cat, I would say is that, you know, they put up a decent effort against the Saints, but Melbourne... The Melbourne game was poor for mine. I think mm. the second half, they were competitive for a whole half or three quarters almost and then just gave it away. So, look, I think they've got some work to do. The question, I suppose, I'd ask Kat is around Leon Cameron. Mm-hmm. A lot of discussion around him. There's a lot of coaches in the spotlight. Firstly, I just want to touch on the David Noble one. I cannot believe people are talking about him getting sacked. He's only been there for 26 <laughs> games and he's coaching a rebuild. But on Cameron, I think that, his deal runs out at the end of the year, Kat. So is there any point in sacking him, do you think? Yeah, I think I think you let him see out the year and then it's probably time to make a call then. If they, I agree. Yeah. if they are sitting down the bottom of the ladder once we get to yeah, around, you know, middle of the year, 
I think if they're only on a few wins, then you probably at that point say to him, well, end of the season, it's not looking likely we're renewing your contract. But it's interesting because he said earlier in the year, we heard him say that he wasn't even sure if he wants to basically keep doing it. So I don't know if he's lost the passion for it and he um, just doesn't really want to lead this group anymore and it's sort of showing on field. That's a great point, Kat. I honestly look like... I think the players are trying. There's no question about that. I think the effort's definitely there. I think, like you said, there is maybe some fitness questions. But I do think that they're almost a bit directionless, if that Mm. makes sense, in terms of, like... The talent's there for the Giants. They've got a strong identity in terms of they, they want to be a tough team to be beaten. Like they want to make it as hard as possible and they're going to grind it out and they're a great defensive and midfield unit. But I, I think that is great call, Cat. is that mm-hmm. I don't think that Leon Cameron is leading this team. Yes, he's coaching it, but is he leading it to where it needs to be is another yeah. question. So I think, well, yeah, you've got to look at the coach when... I know we talk about the second halves and... Um, I think in some games, it is an attitude thing. I think back to the Frio game where, I don't know, I thought that last quarter, they kicked the four behinds. It looked like they, you know, they hung their heads and um, gave up. A few things didn't go their way and it didn't look like they had the resilience to keep fighting back against a team that was surging late. And obviously it's been a pattern so far. There's been, like we said, heaps of games like Mm. that. So. I don't know if it is an attitude within the team that they just can't rally and um, and grind out games. I, I want to see them do it at some point this year because they, they really haven't yet. The Suns game they had pretty much on their own terms. So this week I think is a big opportunity to do that because the Crows have been a team that yeah. have not given up in any game so far. Even getting smashed against the Pies, I thought they still um, could hold their head up high at least a little bit. So... I think it's make or break really this week. If they lose this Massive. week, I think you'd have to say that, yeah, Leon's probably looking like he's done now because 1-6, where do you go from there? You're not finishing That's much right. further than that 12 to 15th sort of bracket right. at that point, I wouldn't think. I, I think as well, Kat, I want to see some structure forward of the ball. I, I just briefly talked about the forward line, but I think that they're starting guys like Taranto and Cornelio in the forward line. I get it because it's hard to put them all in the midfield and moving them forward. But I just think that there's not a goal-scoring blend. Like there's no. Himmelberg who's going to kick goals and Toby Green, obviously. But I thought Flynn had a really good cl- crack on the weekend. Um, mm. Really showed something and has been great with Pruce. Really good. I like that combination and I like that they should run that two Ruckman. I know with Hogan back then it's a bit top-heavy with Himmelberg. Um, Hogan, Flynn and Proust, but I think it works. I think Proust is definitely a, a genuine ruck and been great. So, yeah, I, I think finding a good blend, I would honestly, I ne- I want to see Tanner, Tanner Bruin on the wing, uh, Bobby Hill on the forward line full-time, uh, Finn Callahan. if you want to give him games, get him in the forward line then, which yeah. he has been, which has been good. Um, so so keep with that blend, and, and but have an identity what they're trying to do. Are they going to be a marking forward line? I think with the lineup they've got, yes, mm. because Toby Green's a great mark, Himmelberg's a great mark, Flynn, as we said, and Hogan. So, And then you've got Hill as your crummers, Cornelio can crumb well, um, Tarano Sherman can kick goals. So play that style. And yeah. But that, again, I think comes massively, Cat, back to your original point, which is that I don't think they've been coached like that, if that makes mm. sense. So... Look, they've got work to do down at GOES, but I agree. If they lose this weekend, one at six, I don't know what assistants are up at the Giants, but I would say maybe, hey, you want to do some coaching? <laughs> we have anyone, anyone going to do a better job. <laughs> nah, I think the forward structure's all over the place anyway. They, they, yeah. I think that the depth is being exposed there. I'm not sure why Riccardi doesn't come straight back in if Hogan's out. Um, he didn't do amazingly in the VFL on the weekend, but he kicked two goals, and we know what he can do when he gets going. So I don't know why you don't give him a crack. But Yeah, the Richmond game, Cat Riccardi played. He kicked two behinds and had 13, 14 odd touches, but he had a crack in effort and was dropped mm-hmm. the week after. So same with Jared Brander. I, this is the thing with Leon Cameron is that he's got his favourites, and that's fine. But mm-hmm. when, the, when, when you lose... Right, you've got to pay. Everyone's got the same responsibility on their shoulders, regardless if they've played three games, 30 games, or 300. So, yeah, I think Cameron's got to to do that. 
No, I think you're spot on there, mate. Um, well, let's touch on a bit of news out of the week. Um, yes. There's a bit of a crisis happening at the moment, mate, and it's called the Ruck Crisis. <laughs> there are about 50 Ruckmen across the league that are currently injured. Half the teams don't have their first choice available. We just saw about a couple of hours ago Tristan Cherry go down two at North Melbourne, so they are now looking a bit shaky. Obviously, they've still got Todd Goldstein, a couple of boys performing well in the Ruck in the VFL, including... Your man, Callum Coleman-Jones, former Tiger, Alex Snell. He's been doing nicely in there. But just across quietly, the league... Sorry, Cat, just quickly to interrupt there. I think that he's going to grab this opportunity by the horns because I think he'd be, dis- yeah, he'd be disappointed that he hasn't been in the team. And I think that he knows now he's got to fight for his spot and he's got a month to do it with Cherry out. Yeah. So I think he'll uh, do a really good job. But, yeah, Brody Grundy this week as well going down. Rowan Marshall, one of our favourites. Yep. We saw Jack Hayes at the ACL last week. Um, it just doesn't seem to end for any of these teams. Everybody's bloody getting injured. Yeah. But- uh, Pitnet as well, Cat is a massive blow. I want to talk about Collingwood and Cartney in particular. I want to ask you. Mm. With, obviously, Pitnet going down, De Koning probably takes the rough duties. Yeah. What happens forward of the ball, do you think? Do you think they just go with Silvani... Mackay and Kernow, or do they try? I'm not sure. I mean, who they could bring down there? Mm. Top of my head, I'd have to look at Carl's list. I think it's going to be a case of rotating, <clears throat> rotating Silvani and um, yeah, and Deconing through the ruck. We've seen Silvani pinch hit before. He's got the height for it. Has a good um, crack when he does it. Yeah, he does have a good crack. I don't really know who else they've got tall forward wise that they can really bring in. Um, because, yeah, it is kind of past those three. Uh, How much Marshbank fit, Cap, do you know? Oh, I don't think he's been fit in about 50 years, mate. It's <laughs> <laughs> supposed to be two weeks away, Marshbank. But, no, nah, I think it's it's going to be those two rotating through because really the other guys I've got around them are a bit smaller. Um, so I think it's it'll be an interesting, interesting structure-wise for them. Um, well, I see uh, Jack Carroll's making his debut, Cap, for... Carlton on the weekend, I've been told. Yes, big it's fan a, of that. He's been doing news. very, very nicely. Um, but no, they, they'll have an interesting structure to work out, um, Carlton. I think they can make it work. Silvani's had a really strong year so far. Yeah. Um, they've got the perfect testing ground for it this week against North Melbourne. But <laughs> Collingwood I worry about because they've yeah. got the Suns this week. Witsy's in immaculate form. And always loves a bit of revenge against his former club cat. He yes. always plays out of his mind just quietly. He does, but I've always been a bit doubtful on Collingwood's backup ruck options. Um, yeah. They just got rid of Max Lynch as well, who would have been perfect to come yes. in for this week. Uh, we've basically got Darcy Cameron, Mason Cox, um, who are going to be the boys having to take it. And Coxie in the ruck is obviously never ideal. <laughs> Coxie on the field is an ideal cat. I think <laughs> Adam Pegg might get a crack early, chat. I don't know if it'll mm. be this week or next week, but he'll play. Well, I've seen people who've been watching, following him closely along in the VFL saying he still looks very raw. He's obviously still quite young, um, young beg, but he could be an option. It's the best way to learn, I think, for a young ruck. I know it's going to be tough, but if they, they probably will obviously have, I think Darcy Cameron should be the ruck because Hmm. he's obviously, originally was a ruckman cat at Sydney, as we know, and. He's pretty good when he pinch hits for Grundy. I think that obviously the big difference is his – I think Cameron works around the ground but differently than Grundy. We see Grundy's obviously more um, link-up, handball chains, can get on the move, yeah. where Darcy Cameron's more around the ground working as that mark down the line or that mark down the back like Nan Curvis, like McAvoy. So that will be very interesting what type of style that affects Cat, I think, Collingwood. So that's something to consider. But, yeah, I think Aiden Begg, he probably won't play this week. Because yeah. like, I think Coxie will be in. So you've got Coxie and Cameron V. Wits. It's going to be tough. He's had a couple of tests in the VFL beg, and he hasn't really had any huge games so far um, against any particularly AFL choice ruckman. He had a good game round one against Box Hill, but he was going against uh, Jacob Kaczynski in the ruck, who is also obviously not a number one choice at all. Um, so I think he, he probably does need a little bit more time in development, but you never know. You could throw him in and he might have a have a debut to remember. Um, well, Cap, this brings up the question of should we have mid-season drafts? <clears throat> well, I think there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be going for rucks in the mid-season drafts, so yep. I think it's got to stick around. Should you have two picks? 
Well, you get two, don't you? you get well, three. it's however many list spots yeah. um, are going to be available. So I think we're going to see yeah, a few of these teams, I think, go for short-term mature age ruck options because there's a few bobbing around the state league here and there. Well, and, and as well, Kent, we've seen with Jack Hayes that it works. Mm. There's no question that I, I still honestly cannot believe Jack Hayes wasn't drafted. We've talked about him before. <laughs> Won the Sandville BNF in the grand final and was outstanding. And me and you, Kat, have had a great discussion around rucks that, that they don't hit their prime or they they don't start hitting any sort of ma- massive sort of consistency until about 25, 26. So mm. I don't know why people are reluctant to take them in the draft. So it's very interesting. I think that Carlton is more worrying than Collingwood, Cat. Yeah. yeah, I think it detract- the Collingwood were already going to struggle without Grundy. We knew that, yeah. but... Um, Carlton structure-wise, it definitely puts them in an awkward mm. position because it means the Conan's probably either shouldering more load in the ruck or Silvani's spending more time in the Or ruck. Lucky Plowman comes in as the second <laughs> ruck. That makes me sick. Yuck. Anyway, <laughs> lots of things for a few teams to worry about in the next <laughs> few weeks or the rest of the year, really. Yeah. Um, bit of AFLW news as well, Miller. Quite a bit of player movement starting to happen the big one from the week, of course, the GOAT, Erin Phillips. She is a Port Adelaide player. She's their first ever player. And I reckon I could hear the cheers from Alberton uh, from my house when <laughs> it happened, all the way from South Australia, because uh, she's home. They're, they're already saying she's home. She's in her rightful, rightful jumper now. Yeah, it's great news. And I heard her presser yesterday on the radio. And um, I tell you what, she's the ultimate professional Aaron Phillips, and a great cornerstone for what Port are going to stand for as a club, what they're going to try and build, what she's going to bring to the group of everyone, Cat, that hasn't played at this mm-hmm. level, and then the young players that are getting their first crack. So, and it's just amazing. You know, she's talked about obviously being a lifelong dream to play for that club, and um, it's just absolutely fantastic that she gets the opportunity to pull on those colours next year. Very excited. Or well, this year. Yeah, just well, in a few months, eh? Yep, very uh, I, I think it's great. It's a, it is really a fairy tale story. Like we've seen father daughter selections already, but a player who obviously the family name is so entrenched in mm. Port Adelaide, and obviously Greg Phillips is one of their greatest ever. Um, so I think it's, it's just amazing, and I think you tell young girls thirty years ago that they would be able to. Yeah. to do that tell Aaron 30 years ago she'd be able to do that you know I think back to even when I was younger and you know people would be saying um, if a player you know they're waiting for players to have boys mm. and father son whatever but you know now it's it's everyone you know the girls have got that opportunity too it's just it is great to see it's um, fantastic it's and so Aaron really embodies that yeah. that story so I can't wait to see a lineup for Port for the first time and I can't wait to hear the booze from the Crow supporters in the first <laughs> showdown. It's going to get. I'm sure they'll out. have a couple lined up already. Yeah. <laughs> Good news uh, for the Dons as well. I'm very happy about a couple of these pickups. Steph Kane and Caitlin Sargent making their way to the Bombers. Kane came a bit out of nowhere. Miller suddenly I didn't even know she was on the move. Or Freya were looking to move anyone <laughs> elsewhere, but she's she's gone. She's gone. Yeah, it's a bit surprising. Um, I suppose the. I did think that they. Maybe they had to do it, Kat. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. She's on the move, but good pickup for for my very club, I think. Pickup. Very, very good. Her, Georgia G on the wing, I think is fantastic combination. And I'll tell you what, you're building a really good core, I think, Kat. <laughs> yes, very you can say core. that again. Um, <laughs> and Sergeant, a very impressive player. I don't know if you know too much about her. Miller, Not a whole lot. Tell um, me about her. Huge year for the Western Jets. Kicked yep. about 20 goals in 11-odd games, I think it was. Um, and she's played a few games for, for the Bulldogs and North Melbourne in the BFLW as well. Um, so very, very promising key forward. Good to build your forward line around. Should make a good combination with Bonnie too. Okay. Good in there. I'm very keen. I like that. Uh, but some news for your mob too, Miller. Yes. Grace Egan, she's coming to Tigerland. She was in your BFLW team. You didn't pick yes. her up and now she's finally coming home. Oh, mate, I was absolutely chuffed when they announced this. And uh, look, she's... A great player, and we've seen what she can do at the highest level now, and I think that that's what we need. I think we need more experience. Obviously, we brought in, you know, Hosky and Co. Uh, so that I don't think has fully worked yet, but I tell you what, we're the, the Carlton Poachers at the moment, Kat. The, <laughs> the one we're just nicking their former players. But um, look, yeah. Everyone's a Carlton Poacher. Everyone's a, everyone is there. I've got no one left. But, no, I'm very happy that she's, she's back, and I think that, what I like about her is 
I think she's quite clinical and she's a great user of the pill. And I think mm. that's something that we have really lacked for a little bit of time. So, yeah, very good signing. Places. I think she'll add that defensive side to your midfield too. She's a great yeah. tackler as well, which you always want. I think probably something your midfield groups lacked a little bit. You've got yeah. that offensive power with Conti and Levy, um, but someone to put the pressure on, I think that's definitely what you needed. In great show. Um, a couple of players announced that they're going to be staying as well. One of your favourites, Miller, Emily Bates. She's not going anywhere. She's a lion for at least the next two years, which is just great news for them um, that she is going to be sticking around. Yes, no, we're very pleased. It's, we mentioned it last week and Doc was over the moon as well. And I'll tell you what, I think that it's just good cat as well. I think that the best player in the comp is staying with the team. I think it's a good good, good sign and a good, um, yeah, it's great for Brisbane obviously as well. Definitely telling of their culture and I'm glad that she didn't leave because we might not have ever heard the end of it from Stas. Uh, <laughs> that's for bloody sure. We'll um, crack into one of our favourite segments, as always. Who's the man? Yes. Choose our best player of the week. We'll go with Alex Dockies first because he's not here to give his own. Doc has chosen a man who set the record or equaled the record for the most goals in a Q clash, and that is none other than Zach Bailey Miller. What a game he had. He was everywhere, it felt like, in the 450. He ended up with the six snags, 17 touches, Three marks, if you don't mind, as well. 11 of those possessions contested as well, so we're still getting his hands on the footy in and under. Good mix through the midfield and forward lines. Eight score involvements, two clearances, and one inside 50. We talked about him a fair bit, I think, on the pod, Miller, and last year he started to spend a lot more time up forward, that sort of half-forward yep. role. Now he's really starting to find that forward scoreboard impact week in, week out. He's become a really, really consistent part of that, uh, that group. Well, you know what I love about Zach Bailey, Cat? It's his sense for goal is the number one thing. And six snags typify that. And I think that he's just an amazing player. And what he adds to the Brisbane team, Cat, as you know, is versatility. Mm-hmm. He can go into the mid for 15 minutes and give you a really good spell. He can go in there for a quarter. He can go forward and be dynamic if Cameron's not getting a look in. I think that he is their most important player. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again, because... Like I said, the structure with him in it makes other players be able to move around it. You can see sometimes if Zach Bailey's dominating the forward line, Cameron go up to a couple more stoppages mm-hmm. and then vice versa. We've seen um, McCluggage get forward more this year when Bailey's gone in there. Lyons has actually played forward at times. So I think that I absolutely love the way Zach Bailey goes about it and definitely a great shout from Doc for uh, Man of the Week. Very good. And it's 16 goals for the year now. He's equal yeah. fifth in the Coleman medal race, equal with Charlie Kuno, which is just insane. Jeez. I think he'll stay around that top 10 sort of mark for a while if he keeps up this form. I love that. Yeah, very good. But give us your man of the week, Miller. Well, I'm going to the Richmond-Melbourne game, and uh, you'll be surprised it's not one of my players because uh, <laughs> we were not too flash hot. Uh, on the weekend. Shout out to uh, Mickey Vloshin, though. Uh, he had 30 touches and 12 marks and had his second game back, reminding himself that maybe he should stay injured so he doesn't have to deal with what's going on at the moment. Uh, yes. But Clayton Oliver is my man. Had an absolutely outstanding game, Clary. 41 touches, the perfect blend of 20, 20 kicks and 21 handballs. Uh, four marks, three tackles, 13 clearances capped. <laughs> to go along with 684 metres gained, nine inside 50s, 10 score involvements, four intercept possessions, um, 22 of those contested, 20 of them uncontested. I think that Oliver, the biggest thing, Kat, that I always say with him now is he's kicking the ball extremely well. He's moving it well. We know that Clary used to be a bit of an accumulator at stoppages, but now he's worked on his kicking and he always has been a great kick. He struggled a bit with his early couple of years, but... Now is doing really good. And, I mean, this guy, he's got potential to win a Brownlow. He's 24 still. He's just a reminder to everyone. So Oliver had a great game and he's had a great season and been very undershadowed, I think, by, because of Petrarca cap. But mm. he flipped the script this week. He said, try to start a quiet one. I'll remind everyone how bloody good I am. And uh, he did just that fantastic game from Clary. So well done to him. Who have you got, Cat? Yeah, he's definitely completed his game, Clary. Well, I'm going to Friday night uh, to a man who has been up and down this year. He's had a couple of games where he couldn't hit the bloody the <laughs> wide side of the barn, but this week he managed to kick quite a few snares, four of them, in fact, and lived up to his nickname, Jack Higgins. 
Alex Miller. What a season he's had uh, so far. He was a bit patchy last year, as most of the, the Saints were. Had a few games where he was barely getting his hands on the foot. He couldn't hit the scoreboard. Dan Butler's similar. But they both picked up, and I think they've both started to become that dangerous combination we saw they could be in 2020. Uh, so great to see him back at his best. Four goals, three in this game. 18 touches, nine marks for a small oh. forward. He was getting his hands on the ball in the air, which you really love to see. 10 score involvements, so when he wasn't kicking them, he was dishing them off as well. And three tackles, six inside 50s for the kid. He's all um, Australian, Cap. He's all Australian so far. He's looking like it at the moment. We talk about players in the goal-kicking tally. He is 10th with 14 goals for the year, which is elite for a small forward. Uh, over two goals a game so far. And I think he can keep that up with the way he's going. Their forward structure looks a lot stronger uh, to start this year, the Saints. Um, and you'd have to be impressed with him. I think, yeah, I'd agree that he'd be in and around the small forward position. Him um, in the pocket, Zach Bailey on half forward at the moment, you'd probably have those two in there, surely. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm very happy, as you know, for Jack against Cat as a former Richmond man. I'm absolutely chuffed that he's doing well and amazing that he's playing footy, what he's been through with his health off field and fantastic that he's, um, fit for himself and fit enough to play footy at an elite level and continue to play as great as he has. So very happy for Jack. No, absolutely. Well, that's our men for the week. Uh, some good names in there. But very good names. We've got another thing for the week here. More than one man. 22 men. Alex Miller's team of the week. There's some good selections in there, Miller. I know once again it's always a struggle to pick this because there's always a lot of good performances. Yes, but, no, it's always tough, Cat. Always yeah. tough. Give us your, your team starting from the back line. Well, it's a bit of a dynamic team this week. And as I mentioned before the podcast started, Cat, to you, never thought I'd put this name on the team sheet, but Billy Frampton has oh, been a re- there he is. revelation since going down back for um, Adelaide. And Matty Nix has done a great job putting him down there because Frampton had a great game. Obviously, we know he's gifted athletically, Cat, but... He got a fair bit of the ball this weekend. was absolutely outstanding for the Crows. He had 26 touches. Really outstanding. I will say, I'll give a shout-out here to a good mate of mine from the Inner Sanctum. Um, she said she's the one-woman Billy Frampton fan club. Uh, she said she's believed in him since he got there. So hats off to you. You've definitely shown the face in him. And I'm glad Nixie's shown the face in him too. Because yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Great shout there. Uh, Brandon Cox is the fullback. Cat did a great job. Mackay kept him away from for most of the game. Josh Battle, one of the only players, I think, so far to be a recipient team of the week for Miller's team. So well done to him. Great intercept game. Mick Loshin, as mentioned, had a massive first quarter and did his best. Uh, Zach Tui had a huge game, 30-plus. First time in a while we've been able to say that. It was great for Geelong over North Melbourne. Jeremy Howe, Cat, unfortunately, would have seen... Uh, had dominant. He was airily. Oh, he, he smashed us. He smashed us. It was very, very good, Jezza. Great to see him back playing footy. And Langdon, he was on the wing. Really good job. Slow start. Didn't touch it for the first 10 minutes and ended with 25 plus. So only Ed Langdon could do that type of stuff. Darcy Parrish is in the centre. 44 touches. Had a fair very bit of appeal for the Dons. Blake Akers on the other wing. Contender for goal of the year from him as well. Just quietly had a great game, Akers. And has been really good. And I think that I never say it, but the trade between him and Brad Hill has been a win-win for both. So, well done to both parties there. Zach Bailey uh, is definitely in the forward pocket as Doc's man of the week with six goals. Todd Marshall, really yeah. good game from him. Yeah. Uh, five goals, uh, ten marks, seven tackles from Big Toddy. Four units as well. Really, really good. Lucky Schultz, really good as well for Freo. Consistent all year so far. Ginnivan. Rising star and yes. the Anzac Day medalist and Payne Corns fan club all in one. <laughs> Pretty incredible from him. Five goals. Getting in was hard to stop. Cameron keeps another bag. Yeah, it was clinical for Geelong. And Jack Higgins, as Kat mentioned, his man of the week. Really great shout. Had a, another good game and continuing his fine form this season. Peter Laddams. He might be able to keep Tom Hickey at bay for a little bit because he's had a great start since he's come in. <laughs> Similarly, what, a, what a handy little pickup he's looking like now. F- fantastic pickup, Cat. And this is what I, I reckon will happen with Coleman Jones. They, they didn't get in the team straight away. They had to fight for their spot. Mm. Now they're showing why they should be in there full time. Uh, to follow Laddams is one of his teammates. Kellen Mills had a dominant game on the weekend. 37 touches, really good. Jared Lyons. Never thought I'd say this, Cat. 873 metres game. 30 touches as well. 10 tackles from the inside mid. Just showing how good he is. 
So that's the lineup then on the bench. We've got Alex Witherden had a fair bit of the ball at half back. Uh, Chad Warner, two goals, very important, both of them, and his influence on the game was great, 27 touches. Paddy Cripps was in there by popular demand. I didn't want to put him in, but he ended up in the team. <laughs> Mate, when you have 30 and 3, you've got to be in. <laughs> He's got to be in. Uh, fair enough. And for, lastly, Tex Walker, the man who won the game for the Crows down at Ballarat, fantastic result. Um, except for Alex Doherty, not happy with it, but Tex <laughs> is that. And that is the team of the week for round six. Very good, mate. I'm happy with <clears throat> those selections and a few players that haven't gotten their recognition this yes. year. Laddams, as I said, especially, I'm loving what he's doing. Um, he's really stepped up when he's needed to. So I think every Swan sport will be very, very happy with that choice. There. Should be. Um, well, let's take a look at our tips for the week ahead. It's a big weekend. A few bumper games coming up, but we'll look at our <laughs> tips from the round previously. Back to the norm for me, Miller. I got five this week, so we're looking at a total of 30. Alex Doherty's gained a little bit of ground on me, seven, <clears throat> so 27 for the year so far. What did you get this week, mate? I got seven as well with Doc, so that is where I'm at. What are you, what is, what's your total now, 32, 35? I'm on 35 at the moment. 35, don't mind him. He's still well ahead of the pack. What have you got? What is your total? Oh, yeah, 30 total. So, okay. Al leading the pack on 35, me on 30, and Doc on 27. You're nearly a full round ahead of Doc. Yeah, nearly. I mean, Doc's fallen asleep for the last couple of weeks. He's picked it up this week with a seven. But uh, I tell you what, it's going to be tough to tip a couple of winners this week, Kat. Some big games, oh. as you mentioned. Yeah, there are some big games. And like we said, a couple of games that might sink or swim a few teams this season. But. You'd hope your mob can get on the winner's list in this game, Miller. Taking on the Eagles on a Friday night at Optus Stadium. I know you're travelling over to Perth, but I think you should do this one. I'm going to back the Tigers. Yes, look, I'm hopeful. I think that uh, I don't want to lose to West Coast. I don't want to be a Collingwood person. Uh, Look, I think we showed a good effort against Demons, but they're a cut above everyone. But had a good crack, and I think that... uh, Cochin and Tarrant are not playing. They're being, yes, rested. being rested. Being rested, I heard. And Dusty won't play this week. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him why not for the Collingwood clash. Um, so, look, I'd like to see some more young boys get a chance. thought Dow was good before getting injured. Collier Dawkins had a crack on the weekend. Gibkiss, Cat, you wanted to share He was that. outstanding. I thought his best game yet. Gibkiss, 12 marks or 12 or 11 marks, I think it was. Yeah. He was awesome. And I think with um, Vloshin coming back in, Cat, Gibkiss will be, be able to play a bit more freer. And mm. intercept more, which would be great. And hopefully, uh, whenever that may be, 2025, and we have a full-strength lineup out there, uh, <laughs> he'll be able to play to his full potential. But, yes, I'm also tipping our mob. I think uh, it'll be a tough game, though. I think West Coast will respond. A lot of criticism this week. Yeah. Um, so they've got to bounce back. No, absolutely. This could be game of the round on the Saturday afternoon. Yes. Geelong and Frio. Doc is tipping Richmond as well, by the way. Oh, Geelong yeah. and Frio on Saturday afternoon at Cadenia Park. Huge, huge test for both of these teams. Geelong obviously still want to be a top four side. Um, they bounced back massively after Easter Monday against North Melbourne last week, but huge potential for both teams really to show where they're at. I think we're going to know where these teams are going to be at at the end of the year, Miller, based on who wins this game, because we know Geelong have always been up there, and you know, despite people tipping them to slide once again, they are still looking very strong. They love playing at home. The Frio, very, very impressive. We talked about them earlier in the show. I think I might stick with the Cats, but I think this will be a very intense game, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's a goal or two margin. Yeah. I think as well, I think that the Cats will win just because Tabin is our big blow and he's been playing well. So, yeah, we're going to Geelong also. All righty. And Doc for this game is also tipping Geelong. Adelaide and the Giants, very important game for the Giants here. They want to keep Leon Cameron in. They've got to win. Maybe. The Crows are looking nice. They've been very, very gutsy the past few weeks. Um, I'm going to back the Crows in here, Miller. I reckon they're at home. Back them in. I'm going to go the Giants now. I don't know why because I've tipped them the last couple of weeks and they've absolutely <laughs> fucked me over. Um, so... Look, I may change this tip, but I'm going the Giants. I think they have to win this game if they want to stay in the finals, huh? All righty. Doc is going the Crows for this game. 
The D's and the Hawks. I'll be at this Saturday game. Afternoon. I'll be at this game. We said a couple of yes. a Melbourne mate and a Hawthorne mate, so I'll be the neutral there. Love it. Very nice. Uh, well, no, I'm keen to see how the Hawks line up against mm. the D's um, because they've obviously um, surprised many, um, playing above expectations, and a solid game against the Swans until the last quarter <laughs> last week, where they just disappeared off the map completely. So I think they'll want to write that in this game. Um, I can't see the D's losing, though. Few out with COVID. Uh, Luke Jackson, Toby Bedford, um, Cozzy Pickett, I believe it is, all on the sidelines. But... It'll be interesting, Cat, to see just quickly if they bring in McDonald and then play Brand as the second ruck or Weedham as the second ruck. Or... You'd have to think so. Yeah. Um, I think Weedman will keep his spot. Yeah. McDonald, yeah, probably has to come back in for this game. Yeah. Uh, is Brown Brown off suspension this week? Yeah, he, he played against Richmond. Yeah. Oh, yes, there you go. Yeah. He was hopeless. Um, <laughs> he well, there you go. Well, I think, yeah, it's going to be McDonald coming back in for Jackson. And um, I'm not sure who they've got in the sidelines for Cozzy Pickett, but I don't think they'll struggle with the way the forward line's been going so far. Back him in for this game. I think, uh, yeah, I'm going to go to Melbourne as well. And Doc has also gone to Melbourne. St Kilda and Port Adelaide up in Cairns. Uh, I don't know if any of the Cairns locals are going to get to this game to watch <laughs> Port Adelaide. But good to see Port back in a little bit of form, um, yeah. getting their first win, which is good for them. I still think the Saints have been too good and they will win this one. Yeah, Saints clinically. I think, Kenneth, uh, you'd be happy that you whooped Bloody shitty West Coast, mate, but uh, that's about it. That's all I'm going to say. And Doc has gone the Saints as well. This could be an interesting game. Carlton and North Melbourne. We talked a bit about the structure in the rough that Carlton are going to have to adjust to in this one without Pitnet available. North, unfortunately, got a few injuries of their own. As we said, Tristan Cherry um, going to be out. Uh, a few other players that I'm not too sure whether they're confirmed or not for the week. Ben Mackay's out. Um, yes, and it's Ben Mackay. Be seven years cat, and we still have not seen Harry and Ben line up. There's the in the theories. same room. Has anyone ever seen them in the same room? Yes, I'm not sure. Their parents have seen them in the same room. We are convinced that uh, it's a double. <laughs> it's just uh, one guy. Uh, so I think that. Yes, look, we're, we're going to wait. Actually, I, I'm annoyed because it would have been a great matchup. Mm, or the same guy, whatever you want to think. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think this will be interesting. Like you said, Ken, I think it'll be interesting to see how uh, Carlton structure up. So North will be disappointed. And David Noble's been pushing for standards, and he'll, mm. say, he'll say we've had enough of getting beaten down. I'm going to give it a crack here. So I'm going to go Carlton, but I reckon it'll be under a goal. I'll go Carlton. I think it'll be... Bit more than that, <laughs> but um, uh, back them in. Doc has also gone the Blues for this one. Collingwood and Gold Coast at the MCG. I'll also be at this game, and I don't know why. <laughs> oh, busy weekend for you, mate. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure. I'm not sure about this one. I kind of, I might go the Suns. I just, mm. I've got this vibe. Grunty out is going to be hard for him. Witsy, as we said, had a massive game. They'll be hurting after the Q clash, the Suns. Um, I don't think they were, despite the 52-point deficit, I don't think they were overly um, poor in this one. I think the Lions are obviously just a stronger team. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I think I'll back them to bounce back in this one, Gold Coast. I'm going to go Car, Car, Colling, Suns, Collingwood. <laughs> Collingwood. Doc's going Collingwood as well. I think it's be a good game um, overall. Yeah, it will be. The second matchup of the A3 Cup for the year. Alex Doherty's Bulldogs taking on my Bombers. Oh, I think we're both going to be expecting to lose this game. Doc has tipped his mob. I'm not confident enough to tip my mob here after last week. Um, Darcy Parrish potential ankle is going to be hard to deal with. I love that we get Stringer and Merritt back in Miller and mm. Parrish is going to be bloody going out. Just what we need, really. Laverde got subbed off too, so we might be one short in the back line. Potentially leaves the door open for someone like Francis to come in back line, potentially. Uh, I'm not really sure what we're going to do here, but I'm going to say the dogs still. I'm not tipping us this week. I think the dogs. But the Dons get Alec Waterman one out. Yes. Yep. Get Peter Wright on the bench. Get Alex Waterman <laughs> one out. He was absolutely great cat. He had a great game, Waterman. So yeah, he's a dead eye. Dead eye for goal, mate. Yeah, he's a beautiful kick. And I just, it'd be interesting to see what type of matchup they throw at him. Um, yeah, I'll go to the Bulldogs, but not confident at all. 
not confident. All right. Uh, and the final game of the round, the, I said the Cats and the Dockers will be game of the round. This could be right up there as well. The Swans and the Lions at the SCG. I don't remember the last time I saw a 440 SCG game. It's going to be a great game as well. It's a weird one. Yeah, I don't know how it got relegated to the Sunday afternoon slot, but these two should put on a show. Two teams that want to be top four sides this year. Two teams that really want to try and challenge the Ds, I think. Um, I can't wait for next week as well. The Ds play the Saints. That should be a ripping matchup. Mm. But um, oh, I'm conflicted in this one. I think, ooh, I think at home I might back the Swans in here. I want to go to Brisbane. You're always high on the Lions, Miller. Yes, I am. A bit of a bandwagon fan, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go to Brisbane for now. Uh, I think it'll be very. Harris Andrews, cat, needs a big game on Buddy. Buddy mm. would kick two, four, or two, five last week, and Buddy doesn't do that two weeks in a row. So, um, well, do, yeah. we see, do we see Marcus Adams go to him for 10 Well, I'd like, I'd like to see, yeah. I mean, that, that could be an option for sure. It is. They're working well together now. I think they've found that balance the past couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, the two of them. But, yeah. Um, Doc has gone the Swans for this game, and he also went for his mob for the Bulldogs-Bombers game. Jeez, big week to look forward to. <clears throat> Miller, I'm very interested to see how a lot of these games play out. I think some of them could surprise us. Uh, a few of them surprised us this week. Yeah, well, it, uh, it's as we've said, cat week after week. This is the most even we've had the comp. Mm. So if you like footy, uh, even if your team's playing, if they're not, this is the year to watch because it's been absolutely ripping so far. Yes, go footy. I don't think I'll be getting to <laughs> these games this week. We've got a jam-packed fixture, but I will be getting to the NBL tonight. Mill semi-final, Melbourne United, Tassie Jack Jumpers should be yes. A good one. No, should be an absolute spectacle. Um, it can be tough though. The Jack Jumpers two, two and one against us this year, so yeah, looking good. Could be, <laughs> could be a tough clash. So, yeah, be interesting. Big weekend of sport ahead. Make sure you follow us across all our socials on the A Three Footy Podcast to stay updated when new episodes come out. At A Three Footy on Twitter, at A Three Footy Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And, of course, the email as well, a3footy at gmail.com. Well, hopefully we'll get all the boys back together next week and we'll be in the studio because it's been a few weeks now. I think it's well, this is the third episode in a row we've had just the two of us in here. Yes, two, been... You and Doc last week, then me and you twice now. It's been ages uh, and I hate it. I hate it. We'll get the boys all together next week. Hopefully, fingers crossed, everything going well. But with all that said, I've been Alex Catalano. I've been Alex Miller. And hopefully next week we'll also have Alex Doxy. Stay tuned for then. Big weekend of Footy Head, as always. Go Footy.